0: Welcome. welcome back welcome welcome welcome, welcome back. welcome
1: welcome
2: welcome 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 welcome
1: hey everybody welcome back to the anthony and todd show i am your host trevor and i'm vincent and you are listening to the anthony and todd show end of the year <laughs> wow The end of the Anthony and Todd show. (laughs) I made that joke last week, I think.
2: (laughs) I think I made that joke last week after you said something stupid. I'm surprised I'm back, to be honest. well, you. I thought I truly meant it that time.
1: We're back to the end of the year list. Last week, we covered our favorite EPs of the year. And this week, we are getting into our favorite hidden gems of 2021. Just to clarify... Um, all of these projects will then, in turn, be a part of our favorite albums of the year, but we are trying to break it down a little bit so you don't have to listen to a four-hour discussion on what albums are good, as we have done in the past. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think the reason why that didn't hit is because there wasn't a five-hour discussion on what is good.
1: I think you're right. I would rather listen to a six-hour discussion on Fortnite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So without further ado, the reviews of the Hidden Gems of 2021.
0: Go for it! Bruiser Wolf. Dope Game Stupid.
1: Bruiser Wolf's big debut project might be the least hidden album on this list, but that doesn't make it any less of a gem. I've seen it on a couple of publications at a year lists, and yet there's not really any talk of the album, just like maybe the single Dope Game Stupid or just like very minimal discussion of the album as a whole. In 2021, Detroit rap legend Danny Brown got more serious about his Bruiser Brigade label and group. Not only was the group itself more present and out in the open this year, but a lot of its members released full-length projects, including Bruiser Wolf's debut album, Dope Game Stupid. Listening to Bruiser Wolf sounds like you were watching Ed, Ed and Eddie one night as a kid until you dozed off, and then woke up at 3am and this album was playing on Adult Swim. Wolf looks exactly like what I expected he would. Every line he raps has this air of being a 70s pimp, complete with a wide brim hat and faux fur opulence. His voice is the most immediately gripping thing about him, which has the qualities of a boondocks character mixed with Christopher Walken as a jazz singer, with a couple hints of stand-up comedian and Southern preacher thrown in there as wolf says himself nobody sounds like this i got my own sound i'm an instrument do you want me to do that in the voice yes nobody sounds like this i got my own sound i'm an instrument that's actually pretty good (laughs) thank you
2: practice a lot (laughs) that's almost as good as your darko i can't wait for you to do your darko later i might
1: (laughs) he's smooth and charismatic no doubt but he also has a certain nerdy quality about him as do many other bruiser brigade members between Wolf, Z-Loopers, and himself, Danny really seems to have a knack for finding rappers with the most unique voices. Dope Game Stupid is drug rap down in the most authentic and least serious way, and I think that alone pushes the whole genre forward in my opinion. Wolf doesn't seem to take himself too seriously, which is probably my favorite part of the project. After getting hooked on his song Dope Game Stupid earlier this year, it's extremely easy to see what I mean. On that track, Wolf raps over this unstable, metallic beat like he's on top of this like, very wobbly tower, repeating this hook over and over. The dope game's stupid, but the boys still do it. <laughs> he has some really funny, off the wall one liners, which are immediately grounded by Wolf answering himself in his own ad libs, as if I didn't laugh at his joke the first time and he wants to make sure I heard it. Wolf makes it well known that the dope game has used him, abused him, and ruined parts of his life, but it's near impossible to quit. The majority of his other songs on the record also discuss selling drugs, discussing just about every angle of the profession. And thank God, Wolf makes it abundantly clear that he's made a ton of money this way. I can see Benny the Butcher making a track like this, but that's about as far as the similarities between Wolf and other Coke rappers go.
2: No, I think I think one thing that's similar is just the consistency, which is pretty similar to Pusha T. <laughs> yeah, I can see <laughs> like, <that. laughs> I feel like maybe on future Bruiser Wolf releases, he may struggle to not talk about it. <laughs> Like Pusha T does in any other verse where he's required not to
1: do it. That's actually a pretty good point. Except for he did in uh, Jesus is King not talk about coke. He did not talk about Jesus doing coke. Yeah, then he was
2: near purple at the end because he was trying to hold back the urge.
1: One of the most real and heartbreaking parts of the album is the closing track, Mama was a dope fiend. I compare this almost as the anti-Letter to My Mama from 21 Savage's album I Am Greater Than I Was, where 21 looks fondly upon his childhood because of his mother, while Wolf has a more bitter outlook. He sounds like he's holding back tears as he cries out to his mother, asking if he wasn't good enough. But there's also self-reflection when he realizes he and his mother are cut from the same cloth. Rather than try to fight drug usage, he's turned around and become a pusher, perpetuating the situation for other families as well. There's heartbreaking power from Wolf as he cries, I love you, I hate you, I am you, but I ain't you. This is a tough, raw song to leave the album on, and probably one of the only instances where Wolf displays genuine emotion. Other great moments on this project include the Danny Brown collab, I'm an Instrument, where the two trade bars about their unique sounds, all while cramming as many music puns as they can into their bars. Middlemen then has a surprisingly well-sung hook from fellow Bruiser Brigade member Fat Ray. To me, Bruiser Wolf is just infinitely enjoyable. You can listen to him all day and probably not get tired of him, since you'll pick up on some new line with every listen. If this is his debut project, I have a feeling that I'm going to like whatever he puts out next.
2: Bruiserwoof spits abstract spoken word poetry about the dope game in a soulful and perplexing caricature of Detroit. This album sat hidden in plain sight for most of the year for me, as I was aware of both it and Bruiserwoof because of his membership to Bruiser Brigade. I don't know why I never took a chance on him before the odd day the Spotify algorithm decided to play me the track "Dope Game Stupid." He's obviously one of the most distinct MCs of Bruiser Brigade, which is impressive because Z Loopers and Danny Brown are also part of the group. Bruiser Wolf even got a big spotlight in 2021 on the track "Flying Spirit" by The Alchemists, and featuring the rest of Bruiser Brigade. Bruiser Wolf closes out the track with the longest verse and absolutely kills beat. It's more grounded and darker than what's on "Dope Game Stupid," but I feel like it represents of what more we could see from Bruiser Wolf in 2022 and beyond. I think caricature is a good word to describe a lot of dope game stupid. It's large, over expressive, and goofy. Bruiser Wolf's flow is so natural and doesn't feel forced. He smoothly glides from line to line over top beats that feel like they're from a black exploitation film from the 70s. However, his performance is massive and impossible to miss, and by some could be considered campy, especially his vocals where he gives it his all, but there's always this amateur-like layering to him. I like this feel because it gives the album a more improv nature, which really works in cementing a lot of his hooks, making them easy to sing along and indefinitely catchy. And just because he brings the style to the table doesn't mean he can't reflect emotion in his voice. The track Mama was a dope feed may contain this infectious hold together by thread hook, but in the verse there's actual heartfelt expression of confusion and anger as Bruiser Wolf reflects on his mother's abandonment of him because of her substance abuse problems. And this leads to him being on the other side of the spectrum now as he sells what took his mother away from him. It feels like he's trying to figure out his Motions as he's spitting, like he's trying to just make sense of it as the track progresses. Other highlights across this album include the hectic and fun "I'm an Instrument" with Danny Brown, where Danny and Wolf showcase the things that make them unique voices in hip hop. Thank God, which is the best example of how effortlessly Bruiser Wolf slides through his vocals on the hook, seeming to pull it out of thin air right in front of you. And last but not least, the title track "Dope Game Stupid," which is one of the most infectious and hypnotic tracks I've heard this year. I seemingly always repeat the song in my head, whether it's the hook or some. Of wolf's hilarious lines like everybody hit her but when i hit her i bought her son some chicken tenders and a fidget spinner (laughs) that line in particular has been stuck in my head for months words can't express how infectious this track is bruiser wolf has a huge career in front of him and i feel like in no time he'll be on the same level as z loopers and danny brown
0: cheek face emphatic no
1: Cheekface is another artist that I think Adult Swim would have a heyday with. This rock trio is all about singing about the mundane in an absurd way. Their lyrics are littered with non-sequiturs and nonsense, but presented in a very fun way. Lead singer Greg Katz has mastered the deadpan delivery that gives these songs a down-to-earth presentation rather than sounding too edgy for you or melodramatic. Emphatically, No doesn't really have any central theme other than being bored with life, or at least at a point where nothing really surprises you anymore. Tracks like Best Life and Wedding guests have kind of these sweet messages, but not in a way that leave you feeling inspired, just content with your own little slice of the world. Not only has Cheekface given us a great album this year, but they've also released a couple of great singles as well. Next to Me, Yo-Guy version, and the new featured singer tracks stick to more focus themes and also run a little bit with the hooks and longer runtimes. I'm hoping this is where the band goes in the future, because they sand with some of my
2: favorite rock songs of the year. Cheekface's emphatically note is sing-talking bent on being as existential and random as possible, which kind of sounds like a nightmare, but it's one of the funniest albums of the year, breaking modern-day millennial anxiety into loose, free-flowing absurdity. The random diatribes of great cast may not always connect to the main idea, but they never fail at being entertaining. Tracks like Best Life, Crying Back. Big Big Friend, Rank is someone of my most listened to tracks of the year. Cheekface seems to be picking up a ton of momentum, so start listening or get out of the way because the train is leaving the station with or without you.
0: Darko super. Love War.
1: It's no secret that we here on the show are Darko fanboys, but in all seriousness, we wouldn't talk about him or his music if we didn't enjoy it that much. Darko's 2021 run has to be his strongest year yet, between Teenage Angst hasn't paid off yet with Big Baby Gandhi, cruising with Darko and the Jets and his magnum opus Great White Buffalo with Dean Friedman. One project that may have slipped through the cracks though was a short project Love, War. Originally a split tape with synth-pop artist Bob Bucko Jr., Darko hopped on the B-side of that tape to make songs inspired not by B.B. Jr.'s music, but the title itself. The result is one of Darko's most mature projects yet. Across Love War, Darko accomplishes quite a bit. These are some of his most ambitious beats to date, provided mostly by Blacker Carrot. Sparkle Motion is an exercise in wordplay, where Darko raps an entire verse, then raps it backward for his second, which ends up being surprisingly cohesive and beautiful, and also something that MC Paul Barman would probably do. I can't help but imagine Darko floating through outer space over this Claire de Lune-inspired instrumental. Psycho Ranger is so fun and upbeat, with Darko rapping effortlessly over this horn sample, funky bassline, and glitchy, bright strings. But don't be fooled, the lyrics are quite a contrast from what you're hearing in the beat. These are some seriously sharp bars. The crowning jewel in this project has to be Heavy Yoke, which is probably the saddest song I've heard all year. The track is essentially to grieve the loss of his partner's father and Darko's friend, Pete. Darko produced this one, and he gives himself a drumless beat cut from a Daniel Johnson Song, which really makes you focus on his lyrics more. His verses are pointed and sentimental, and that last line, throwing pennies and hoping for change, makes me just want to cry every time, yet he remains so calm and composed. This is one of the most accurate depictions of the grieving process I've ever heard, and it breaks my heart a little every time I hear it. Love War may not seem like that big of a deal, especially when Darko has given us three other full-length projects this year alone, not to mention his extensive back catalog that you need to catch up on, but don't let this one slip you by.
2: I think think it would be an accident if... You did not do your Darko impression right now because I felt like I hyped it up. So you got to do it. What do you want me to say? Anything. I don't care. Read the phone book. I
1: I feel like George Costanza when I stopped having sex. Medical miracle. I never went to bed.
2: (laughs) Okay. I'm a piece. (laughs) Thank you. Darko is a friend and collaborator of mine. He's the clown prince of hip-hop for a new generation, pulling a lot of the qualities that made Biz Marquis' career so easily recognizable. A goofy oddity that holds nothing back when he performs. Now, this just might sound like nepotism, but Darko is honestly one of the most exciting artists in hip-hop right now. Being an outsider in the game, similar to that of Little B, Darko always surprises me whenever he puts out anything. Love War is one of the most surprising things he's released to date. Released the same day as his other album, Teenage Angst hasn't paid off yet. He really didn't promote it that much. This got me to thinking these were all throwaways or him testing out new flows. What it is, actually, is probably his most emotionally mature album to date. Darko is still Darko, strange flows, weird samples, a huge awkward nerdy disposition. However, he sheds layers, revealing more of a man behind the persona. While his album last year, The Horse in the Hospital, was a notable marvel in both paying tribute to the past of outsider hip-hop, but also progressing towards the future, Love War is a marvel in Darko smoothing edges, showing the audience his most raw and natural performance yet, while also being the most accessible he has been to date. Heavy Yoke* being the highlight uses a Daniel Johnson sample as the base for Darko to Grieve loss. A short track but so affected at touching loss but not losing oneself, Darko maintains composure with his style regardless of the heartbreak he's experiencing. The open sparkle motion shows Darko poetically throwing through the stars, existentially flowing over light keys and heavy strings. Other tracks like Hi How Are You, Nutmeg, and Psycho Ranger are simplistic but feature the most focused Darko to date. Nothing overly flashy, it's almost like Darko's running laps, trying to keep in lyrical shape without exerting himself. It really matches the more moody atmosphere of some of the other tracks in the lineup, adding consistency to the track list. This isn't Darko's best album, it's not even the best album he released this year, and we'll get to that eventually, but it's the best starting point for someone who's never heard him before, getting to know a bit of the man behind the spiral glasses.
0: Fat Boy Sharif and Roper Williams. Gunt Loves Children Deluxe.
1: We've talked pretty extensively about Fat Boy Sharif this year, so I'll keep this brief. Sharif showcases some of the craziest performances I've heard all year on Gandhi Loves Children Deluxe, and he's just continuing to grow. But even when he gets featured with Bigger Name Artists, he never sacrifices his style. This pairing of he and Roper Williams works so well together, as Roper's beats are so easily able to match Sharif's vision and demeanor. This record descends into some pretty dark territory at an alarming rate, but like a car crash, you can't help but look away. Roper's booming production and Sharif's wild bars demand your attention, almost like they're trying to indoctrinate you into a cult. Gandhi Loves Children is intoxicating, and every song I take in has me craving more.
2: I feel like Fatboy Sharif probably has the biggest upside out of all the people on the list. I can totally see him being a figure that matches the realm of somewhere between Mr. Motherfucking Exquire and Billy Woods, carrying a surreal weight and heavy voice along with an unhinged amount of gelatinous talent. Gandhi Loves Children Deluxe is a showcase of all of Fat Fatboy's skills. Rupert Williams produces elegant frames for Fatboy's wild, artistic vision to play out in. At times, this thing is uplifting and beautiful like the track Fly Belkin. and other times it's nightmarish and violent like songs Murder Them and The Jack O' Lantern Sculpture. Gandhi Loves Children is the starting point for Sharif, as I can see his career surpassing this excellent album in the near future.
0: Juan Waters. Real Life Situations.
1: I've returned to Juan's album more than I thought I would over the course of the year. In just a short run time, he delivers some of the catchiest, most well-written tracks over such a wide variety of styles and instrumentations. Of course, he brings a lot of friends along for the ride. Every track has me just sitting there with a big stupid smile on my face as I easily breeze through this project. Real Life Situations transports me to a sunnier, happier place, which is especially welcome when the weather turns cold and the days turn into night earlier and earlier.
2: I was quoted before as saying Real Life Situations was one of the most fun albums of the year, and I still hold that statement true. Juan's revolving catalog of styles delivers so many smiles over the course of its 30-minute runtime. It's just an optimistic and grounder reflection of Juan's environment. Highlights like presentation, unity, and real make Juan's world that he's crafting feel populated, almost like the album itself is a living, breathing city.
0: The lasso. 2121.
1: In a weird comparison, I think I'd compare Midwest producer The Lasso's album 2121 to that of a good sitcom. Sitcoms with well-written ensemble casts examine each character from every angle, showing us why the group's relationships work between members. TV shows like New Girl or Community don't just tell you that the characters are friends, they show you that they're friends. Not just all as a group, either, but there are episodes where specific character pairings are explored until just about every combination of character interactions and dynamics are mapped out on screen. The Lasso does something kind of similar with his collaborators on 2121. This isn't just The Lasso by himself, with him are vocalists A. Billy Free and Rachel Eve, cellist Jordan Hamilton, and saxophonist Jared the Saxquatch Sellner. After listening to his 2017 project The Sound of Lasso, it seemed like The Lasso needed a little more focus, and after years of working mainly as a producer, his latest solo effort is just that – A focused and futuristic rock, funk, and electronic trip through the cosmos. Our opening track, 2121, is fast-paced, funky, and will get stuck in your head immediately taking root in your brain with its sparkling opening synth loop and smooth sax. Free and Eve do a great job with their soulful vocals, really driving home the whole track. Another standout moment is the Hemlock Ernst track, Will We Be Us Again, with an incredible verse from Sam Herring and a good hook. All Gone is an Eve solo track that plays out more like a space-aged club banger while Satellite sounds more like an 80s synth track, like something Carly Simon or Peter Gabriel would have put out. The Abyss features yet another fiery verse from Fat Tony, like seriously, where's this guy been all this time? I think I seriously underrated this project when it came out, but after re-listening, something clicked. I've been able to pick up on more of the chemistry of each member and the collaborating group with one another. It makes for a more compelling record than I originally gave it credit for. Also, The Lasso put out another record this year with just Jared and Jordan if you want more synth sax cello goodness.
2: 2121 is Psychedelia placed 100 years in the future, blending so many genres together into one mind-melting smoothie. Lasso and his large group of collaborators stack on top of each other perfectly. While Lasso may do the curation and production, it's the combined performances from Squatch, Jordan Hamilton, A Billy Free, and Rochelle Eve that make this album feel like one continuous piece a free-flowing jazz, funk, hip-hop, and electronic odyssey that teleports the listener into the next generation of psychedelic hip-hop. Also, if you want to learn more about this album, we have an interview up right now with uh, Lasso. He talks about this album and many other things along his uh, career. Uh, That's at episode, I think, episode 6, right? I hope it's the correct number. I have no idea. But make sure you check that out because if if you're interested in this album and you listen to it, and you want to know more about it, I think that's a good place to start.
0: L. Orange. The world is still chaos, but I feel fine.
2: Sometimes I feel
1: like I have a hard time reviewing or talking about beat tapes, which is essentially what this project is. L. has proved his mettle as a producer already, but in my opinion, his strongest product up until this point was 2017's The Ordinary Man, which drew from a lot of Mad Libs' style, specifically his superhero work with Doom, but flipped the script for a magician-based storyline built with old movie and radio samples. This project is nothing like that. After producing for a couple of years with some other rappers like Solemn Brigham for the Marlowe Projects, Jeremiah J, and Namir Blade, I'd become a bit disinterested in Lorange. I wanted something like The Ordinary Man, but what I got here was, yes, another solo album, but also nothing like that? The central theme, I think, of this project is finding your own bit of happiness or pleasure in your isolated world. Especially during the pandemic, when people were isolated from one another, it was extremely easy to lose hope. Pile on top of that the state of our country, and you have a recipe for absolute chaos. But as the opening vocal snippet says on this project, we don't need to feel perfect or even good per se, just better. The project has a lot of samples about that, drawing from interviews with collaborators and friends of L'Orange, who talk about their experiences with what makes them feel better. The project focuses on taking control of your own happiness and day-to-day victories, especially in a time when the big picture can often keep you down. I'd even tie in that mantra to this project itself. Rather than let someone else do the talking, Larange once again steps into the
2: foreground and
1: speaks the message that he himself wants to create.
2: Beat tapes aren't usually anxious, however, Larange finds the perfect way to balance out dusty, hushed instrumentals with the lingering weight of reality. Beats on this thing can be quiet and chill, grand, warm, and vibrant, or strange and gelatinous. This tape seems to reflect the mixed bag that life often presents to all of us, while seemingly finding comfort in acknowledging the chaos. Some of the vocal excerpts he snips together really bring together this balance of discomfort and humor and really cement the themes together, making this album more conceptual, separating it from just being. Being a beat tape. In a similar way, the atmosphere of his last solo album, The Ordinary Man, separated from the pack of other instrumental hip hop albums. Larange is more known for his collab albums with Solomon Brigham and Jeremiah J, but I find his solo work to be way more compelling because it has to rely on itself more, constantly tying itself together into an album without having the same MC on top, needing themes and atmosphere to pull one track into the next. This is probably my favorite project by Larange to date, so make sure you don't miss out.
0: Pompoko.
1: If there ever was a second Scott Pilgrim movie for whatever reason, Pompoko would definitely be on the soundtrack. After the UK has opened up a whole can of worms for post-punk with bands like Black Mitty, Squid, Shame, and Black Country New Road, Norwegian band Pompoko would fall at the other end of that spectrum. Instead of melodramatic, spoken-word passages with long improv solos and tons of layering, Pompoko revels in creating short, catchy, post-punk songs with pop sensibilities. The vocals are almost frail in a sense, not like dainty, but like cracked glass. I think if Caracaro Bonito took on more of a punk identity, they would make music similar to this. While the lyrics may be as angsty as the rest, Their message is obscured by power chords and catchy, easily singable melodies. Each song has a different hook that sets it apart from the rest in your mind, which seems kind of basic, but it goes a long way. The band still plays with things like song structure, different accented notes, and meter, but in a more contained sense. If you prefer your rock music more along the lines of The Strokes, Pompoko is definitely worth checking out.
2: Pompoko's placement on this list is more from what the band will become and mature into than the album itself. Cheater is full of catchy indie rock tunes fronted by the frail voice of frontwoman Ragnhile Fanyel. Every track pierces your ears with warm guitar fuzz and light vocals. Their second album seems just to be a launching point for bigger and better things to come for the group. Once you hear hits like Cheater, Like a Lady, Andrew, and My Candidacy, you understand the star power of this group. If you haven't heard this band before, I think the normie description is Big Thief, but post-punk, but also sort of like Gorilla Toss. And I can see them fitting very well around that scene of indie. And it's only a matter of time before they have a track that breaks them through into the public
0: consciousness. steel tip up Call me when you're outside.
1: Steel Tip Dove should need no introduction given the work he's been putting in for years, but for some reason he's still slept on. This project may change your mind. Despite only being 8 tracks, this short album delivers tons and tons of enjoyment. Dove perfectly crafts these sonic playgrounds for his multiple collaborators to glide freely and effortlessly. If you don't know Dove's name, you'll definitely know his featured artists. Each track was crafted with a purpose, with their respective featured artists paired up intentionally for truly amazing
2: results. This album doesn't need much of a description. It's perfectly crafted and curated abstract hip-hop that flows elegantly from track to track while also keeping you on your toes. Recognizable underground hip-hop mainstays like Lucid, Billy Woods, Korean Town Oddity, and Pink Sifu front a glistening neighborhood of an album, but it's the presentation and placement of these artists by Steel Tip Dove that make them phenomenal. A short 21-minute listen that rewards way more than its runtime appears contains immensely stacked hip-hop crafted by a figure who's lived in the background of the scene for the Half decade.
0: Young Man and Celestophone. A Year of Octobers.
1: We caught a glimpse of the MC Paul Barman and Celestophone pairing on the track Rewinders from last year, an excellent funky hip-hop track with great production and verses all around. Once again, the duo's back, this time for a full-length project, A Year of Octobers. Barman's alter ego Young Man is a little more wild and spry, kind of like Victor Vaughn is to Doom. But in delivering more reckless bars, Barman doesn't sacrifice any quality in his verses. He's as sharp as ever, with abundant wordplay mixed in with aggressive rants. Celesophone is the perfect partner in crime for him, providing these dark, bass-heavy beats for him to just run rampant. This album is strange and loose, offering some of Barman's best verses so far. While not as serious or themed as Barman's last project, Echo Chamber, this project still provides a lot of standout moments. Guillotine is just as sharp as an actual blade, and is filled with lots of vocal samples that Young Man interacts with like they're real people. This is then followed by Human Rights, featuring great chemistry with Billy Woods and a driving electric guitar beat, tied in a nice bow with Young Man's uncle giving a speech at the end. Yes's instrumental sounds like it was pulled straight from a Mario Desert World level, while Galactic Love offers a kind of heartfelt track about offering love freely and to anyone you want to, because there's too much hate in the world. MC Paul Barman is often cited by more mainstream publications as being immature or annoying, but A Year of Octobers is really just another testimony to how great of a writer and performer he
2: actually is. MC Paul Barman dropped one of the best hip-hop albums of the last decade and once again vanished into the shadows. Before once more returning into a new form of his alter ego, brother, young man, the less mature persona of Paul Barman has popped up a few times over the last few years and has never disappointed, being a manic and reckless Mr. Hyde to MC Paul Barman's Dr. Jekyll, made even more unstable by the funky, gelatinous production from Celestophone, who continues instrumentally from where he left off on last year's Weevil. In disguise. The album is immature, loud, and strange. It's a great follow-up to Echo Chamber, and I hope we see MC Paul Barman or Young Man return sooner rather than later. Yay! And that is it for the hidden gems. We we found them in my backyard. We dug them up and we presented it to you. I tell you, we found the Chaos Emeralds. Yeah, the hidden Chaos Emeralds. We found them all. They're all in music form, and they're surprisingly all albums. And now
1: Knuckles can go to bed. <laughs>
2: yes. If you want to follow us on social media, I don't know why you would. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Anthony Todd. You can find us at youtube.com forward slash the Anthony Todd Show. You can find Trevor on Twitter at Alistair McCallis. You can find me on Twitter at The Vincent Short. I have an album out, Layer Effects, Songs to Inspire Creativity, which you can find right now on Apple Music. But until next time, guys, I'm Vincent. I'm Trevor. And see you, boys. Bye, everybody.
0: Goodbye. 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 Thank you. Goodbye.